Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... wants to give us power. And verse 17, he wants to give us love. Now, people will often say, well, which is it? Which is this? Which is this love? Is it is it love for God or is it love for people in the church? Remember, he's writing to a church. I would answer the question this way. Fellowship with God and not the family of God does not compute in the hearts and minds of the Bible writers. Do you find it easy to pray? Most of us do not. But thank God we get some great examples of prayer in the scriptures. In Ephesians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul prays for Holy Spirit's empowerment to move forward and continue in the Christian life. What is interesting is that it is the experience of God's love and power that motivates him to pray for that strength. However, that strength is an internal strength. It is what the Apostle calls the inner man. Such prayer, combined with the power of God, creates a person with the inner resolve to press on in faith in the midst of the most difficult circumstances of life. Do you want this strength? Of course you do. To learn more, here's Pastor Jim. For this reason, for what reason? For everything he's been telling us. For this reason, I bow my knees. Does that mean you have to pray with on your knees? No, it's okay to pray on your knees, but praying on your knees is symbolic of submission of reverence, of, of adoration for God. So for this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. So we're part of this large family, and this large family that we are part of is not only here in this room. If you're not a Christian, we're glad you're here tonight. We'd love to have you become part of the family. Put your trust in Jesus, but, but the family's not only part of this room, it's not only part of the church worldwide, but it's the church, it's part of the church in the next world, in the other world, if you will, the other dimension, the heavenly realm. So he begins his prayer and he says, I bow my knees. And we could spend really all night, and there's so many prayers of the Apostle Paul in the Bible, I'm just talking about the power of prayer in the life of the Apostle Paul. And looking back at chapters 1 and 2 and the beginning of chapter 3, the Apostle is clearly stunned by the grace of God, that God would take sinners who had violated so much of what he had said to do and he would save their souls, forgive their sins. And then we said last week, perform another miracle at the end and the week before, that he would take Jews and Gentiles, groups that previously hated one another, and would bring them together in the bond of love, in their common love in the Lord Jesus Christ. And the idea of being on our knees, uh, some of us say, oh, I'd love to pray on my knees. I can't get down on my knees. Or actually, I can get down on my knees. I just can't get back up. And the idea of being on our knees is less physical and more spiritual. 
It's not required, so don't be like, oh my goodness, now I'm, now I'm in big trouble because I don't pray on my knees. It is, it is rather a statement of the heart. Now in the Bible, generally when you see someone praying on their knees, it is a time of great emotion. It's not just we sort of, you know, kneel down, stand up, kneel down, stand up, kneel down. It is a real purpose to it. It is a time of great emotion. It is also a time of great humility. The normal Jewish posture for standing, for praying, sorry, was standing up with arms raised. That was the, that was the normal posture. And what's interesting here is as we get into this, we will notice that when we pray, Typically, as Americans, we have a few things we normally pray for. We pray for material things. We, we want a, a job, or we want a new car, or maybe a new house, or something like that. We typically pray for health, and, and, and we want God to heal people so they're feeling better. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with these things, but we will notice tonight that is not what the Apostle Paul prays for. The apostle prays for what he calls the inner man, the inner woman. He prays for what is going on inside each follower of Jesus. And here the apostle Paul is worshiping God for what he has already done in the inner man inside the people of the church in Ephesus and in the surrounding churches. And if you will, all of the Bible readers who would be reading this letter and would be studying it, he is rejoicing in what God has done in the inner man in them. So he's worshiping God for the wonder of his eternal plan, which is the main theme of this letter. And you say, well, what is the main theme of this letter? We have to look back at Ephesians 1.10, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together... Uh, in one, all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are in earth in him. So quite simply, that is what God has been doing and continues to do. He is gathering everything together. It is going to happen. And the Apostle Paul then began to unfold what that means for all of us. And now for what has happened so far, he is praying that he is grateful Kneeling in prayer is also a picture of desperation. It's a picture of dependence, particularly in a situation when you're praying for a need that can only be answered by God. I mean, you could be, you could be, you could be praying for the rent or the mortgage payments, and somebody could knock on the door and give you the money. Now, they were probably sent by God to do that. That doesn't happen too often. But sometimes there are such things that no human being on earth has the capacity in any way to change the situation, and those are great situations for you to get down upon your knees. And so he's going to pray for the Lord's strength and confidence in the Lord to be given to the Lord's people. What he is essentially going to pray for is that God's people would have a real experience of God's love. And so here the mighty apostle is not afraid to say that I'm, I'm coming to God on my knees. I'm coming in desperation with a sense of being helpless and powerless 
in the battle asking for what only God can do. Jesus said this, John 15, 5, we quote it often, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, uh, in me, I in him, bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. Now you say, no, I drove myself here, I could do stuff without it. You could do nothing of, well, if you didn't have breath, you couldn't do it, right? And, uh, but, but you could do nothing of spiritual value without Jesus. Now, here's the interesting thing, the Apostle Paul knew this to be true, that without Jesus you could do nothing. But do you think that made him sad? No, not at all. Why? Because with Jesus, the potential is unlimited. There's only so much you and I can do. But with the power of Christ, we can do so many things for the kingdom of God. And notice the apostles' great confidence in, in, the calling, in calling the Lord the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to the Father. We're praying to the Father of, of our Savior. And last week we saw in verse 12 that we can go to God in, in boldness and access with confidence. That was one of the things that was bought for us at the cross. That, that the veil was torn. We are no longer, we could no longer, we're no longer separated from God. We can go into him with boldness and confidence. So followers of Jesus, what do we do? We go into the very presence of God in Christ's righteousness. Don't ever, ever, ever forget what I just said. We go in to the presence of God in Christ's righteousness. So you say, oh, I can't go pray to God after what I've done. You do not go in your righteousness. You go in Christ's righteousness. You say, oh, I don't have the eloquence of some of the other people in my community group or that I've prayed with or something like that. It doesn't matter. You don't go in in eloquence. You don't go in in fancy words. You go in to the presence of God in Christ's righteousness. And so our Father, he tells us, is in, in verse 15, is over heaven and earth, symbolic of the great authority and rule over all. Remember, that's our dad. That's our father. He is the one who rules over all. And so we're not only confident that we can come to him because of Jesus, we're also confident in coming to him because of his power. So we're allowed in because of Jesus to speak to the one who has all power and all authority. Now, no matter how good your earthly father may have been, I know some people have bad fa earthly fathers, some people have good ones, but no matter how good your earthly father it was or is, this is where we must separate from all earthly fathers. He is specifically talking about our heavenly father. Our heavenly father is always available. The psalm says he does not sleep and he does not slumber. He is always with us. He is all-wise, he is all-knowing, he is both firm and loving, and he is all-powerful. So let's, let's think about how this works as we've been talking about this as we've been going through Ephesians. In the Bible, the adopted children of God, how are they adopted? Through faith in Jesus Christ. 
So the adopted children of God pray to the Father through the Son in the Spirit. So we we pray all members of the Trinity are involved in our prayers. That brings us to verse 16. He prays this, that he, the Lord, would grant you according to the riches of his glory. Do you think he has a lot of glory? So that's a lot of riches, wouldn't you say? So, so, so he, he wants to grant you according to the riches of his glory. Now, some prosperity preachers would say that's why God wants you to be rich. I don't know about you, but I, I have a feeling that the richest of men and women on this planet are, would be paupers in heaven. So I don't want to be shortchanged. I'm willing to wait until the ultimate retirement plan comes in, until, I, until we meet the Lord, and we're able to have the riches of his glory. That's a lot. He says, to be strengthened with might, some versions say power, through his spirit in the inner man. So it's not all put off until we see the Lord in glory. A lot of that stuff is available, okay, the riches of his glory, his strength, his might, his power through his spirit is available to us now in what the Apostle Paul calls the inner man. What's the result? Verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So he's saying, I'm I'm praying that you experience the the dwelling of Christ in your heart. Now, we learned in Galatians that when you put your trust in Jesus, the Spirit of Christ comes into your heart. But that doesn't mean that everybody experiences it, because we'll be talking about later on in Ephesians, if if we're not living the Christian life. This is our last night in what we call the doctrinal section. We're going to go into more practical living next week, Lord willing. And, and so what, what, what's going on here is that you can have the Spirit of God in you, but if you're just walking in your own way, you're doing in your own thing. You're doing your own thing. You are not going to experience the dwelling of Christ within you. So he wants us to experience that, that you being rooted and grounded in love. So when he talks about the, the dwelling, we'll talk about this in a bit, that's a word that can be used for a temporary dwelling place or a long-term permanent dwelling place. So the Lord does not want your heart to be an apartment on a month-to-month lease. He wants it to be a place where you, you've bought the ranch and you said to everybody, I'm going to die here. This is going to be, I'm in this for the long haul. I'm not going back to Egypt. That this is, this is what the Lord has for me and I'm embracing it. So, If you were here with us last week, we left off in verse 13 where the Apostle Paul was in prison, probably about three years in Rome, and he was in prison because he preached to the people in Ephesus and the other Gentiles, the non-Jews, and he told them, hey, don't lose heart because of me. Don't worry about me. Another version said, don't be discouraged. Now he prays the exact opposite for what he told them. He said, don't be discouraged, and then he says to the Lord, would you please strengthen them? Would you please strengthen them in their discouragement and their losing of heart? Now, this being strengthened is not through self-effort. Did we hear that? It is not through self-effort. He says right here that it is through the spirit in the inner man. So what does what what God want to do in the spirit, in the Holy Spirit, through the power of the Holy Spirit? What does he want to do? 
with us. Verse 16, he wants to give us power. And verse 17, he wants to give us love. Now, people will often say, well, which is, it? Which is, this, which is this love? Is it, is it love for God or is it love for people in the church? Remember, he's writing to a church. I would answer the question this way. Fellowship with God and not the family of God does not compute in the hearts and minds of the Bible writers. They're one and the same. We experience the love of God, and then the love of God is then, God fills us with so much, it's come, it should be coming out our socks, and then we are then to be able to share it with other people. And so what is he doing right now? He is basically praying the theological realities of everything we have learned up to this point would become practical realities in our lives. So we're not tadpole Christians. You remember what they are? Big heads, little bodies, bunch of fat heads, you know, all full of theological knowledge and no love. You, you, if you've done a hospital visit, you've probably seen them. They came to visit the person in the bed next to you. And as soon as they come, the person's reaching for the bell to call the nurse. They're like, get this room person out of my room. They're going to kill me. That is, not, that is not the kind of Christian we want to be. We want the theological realities, and he's going to take us to that in the next chapter, to become practical realities, to, to become the real thing. This reminds us of a very, very important fact, that the teaching of the Word of God and our prayers go together. They, 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 there's a deep-rooted connection between them. The, the, the teaching of the Word of God, the Word of God itself, helps us know how to pray and what to pray for. Now, the Apostle Paul is not a phony faith guy. He doesn't separate faith from what some people would call the real world. When somebody says to you, uh, you just don't live in the real world. Well, you want to you either... Admit maybe you're talking like you don't live in the real world, or you want to counter that and say, no, no, as a Christian, I totally live in the real world. He knows that we all need, and he did too, strength and power on the inside to live the Christian life. We all need strength and power on the inside from the Holy Spirit Enable to, which enables us to fight the spiritual warfare that is constantly going on in our soul in order to fight off sin and to love people. I mean, it's just a lot easier not to get involved, isn't it? It's like, I'm not going to get involved. This is too messy. And he knows, okay, that when, when you or I try to preach the gospel with our life and with our lips, what do I mean by that? by the way we live and the way we speak to people, it is very easy, and some of you know this, where you work and in your homes and in your, in your families, with your friends, in your neighborhood, when you try to preach the gospel with both your life and your lips, it is so easy to feel powerless and alone. And here he's praying that we wouldn't feel that. Yeah, we might be powerless in and of ourselves, but the Spirit of God is power empowering us, and we might feel alone on a human level, 
but we're definitely not alone on a, on a vertical level in terms of God being with us. The Apostle Paul knows the difficulties of life. He's sitting in prison. You know, he'd, he'd preach and he'd get, he'd get beat up, he'd get put in jail, having all kinds of problems. He knows the difficulties of life. He knows that followers of Jesus need to know and experience the reality of Christ's powerful presence in their life. And this is why so many people don't have really great walks with God. This is why so many people find themselves falling into the same sins over and over again. Because in, if you will, the downtimes, they don't have not experienced the reality of Christ's powerful presence. So when they get into that situation of temptation or difficulty, they hear his voice and they know that it's him that's talking. Now, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, and the Apostle Paul is the, is the Apostle of the Spirit, and I try to make a big deal out of the Holy Spirit because I know that most of us have come from backgrounds where we've been taught either extremely weird stuff about the Holy Spirit or absolutely nothing about the Holy Spirit. And, and we, don't, we don't want to do that because he has mentioned so much in, in the Bible. We want to make sure that, that he, is, he is nothing like the force in Star Wars. Right? That, that's not Christianity. That's not Christianity. The person of the Holy Spirit is the one who makes Christ known to us. He supplies us. He supplies the inner man with the power to live for Christ as well as the experience of comfort or confidence or both of Christ in difficulty. Now, we live in a world that focuses on and emphasizes the outer man, but the Apostle Paul keeps us grounded with a focus on the inner man. He says, he tells Timothy, bodily exercise profits a little, but, but we are to be focused on the inner man. In verse 17, he says that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now, that sounds like just, just spiritual gobbledygook. It really does. Without a robust theology of the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus isn't here. He's gone. He doesn't live. People are like, oh, I wish he was still here. Why? He lives in the Middle East. We're in America. No, no, no. With a robust theology of the Holy Spirit, you can know that the Spirit of Christ is with you at all times. We must understand the person, power, and work of the Spirit. Now, unfortunately, it seemed to work, but now it seems to have backfired. Every time we have an idea where we're smarter than God, it seems to work for a little bit. God's like, okay, I'll let the rope out a little. And then all of a sudden, like, oh, bring that one in. For a while in the church, we sort of had this, this very popular thing, uh, and it's not as so much around anymore, uh, the, the popular thing of inviting Jesus into your heart. Now, now, in language of Galatians, he says that he sends the Spirit of Christ. You didn't invite him. I, I'm always, I understand what people mean, but they're like, oh, Lord, we invite you here. Like, 
He doesn't need our invitation. <laughs> he invites us. He doesn't need our he doesn't need our invitation. Like God's like, oh, thank you so much. <laughs> RSVP and thank you. I'm so happy you invited me. Uh, this is the God of the universe. Let's get real. Thank you for listening to Change by Love, the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire here at Changed by Love is simply to bring you the life-changing message of Jesus Christ by teaching you the Bible in a simple, easy-to-follow way. With that being said, we try to put our messages into as many people's hands as possible for a very low cost and often free of charge to anyone who contacts us. Did you know that all of our messages can be found for free on our website? changedbyloveradio.com That's changedbyloveradio.com Please check out our website and hit the Contact Us button to tell us something about yourself or to request a CD copy of a message. Here at Changed by Love, we depend on the grace of God as well as the generosity and prayers of our loyal listeners. So thank you to all of you who are prayerfully and financially supporting our program. We would love to hear from you and pray that you drop us a card or a letter to Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. And don't forget to contact our friends at this radio station and tell them you are being blessed by Changed by Love. It would be a great encouragement to them. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope you'll make plans to join us again next time, right here on this station, for more practical Bible teaching through God's Word with Pastor Jim Kevney, passionately proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ to a world that needs to hear.